Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and we got a lot to get to considering there wasn't really a lot going on on Monday. A lot of good articles being written focusing on what's happening on the housing market. Not going to be the case tomorrow because we got a lot happening on Tuesday. We got the Case-Shiller Index coming out later today, as well as the FHFA Price Index. So we're going to have a lot of data to get into tomorrow. But right now, I want to start with a piece I read yesterday in the Wall Street Journal by Paul Kiernan, who was looking at Fed officials and this debate that is now forming, or I should say, I guess the debate is happening on sort of after the pandemic. That's sort of where the Fed is right now. They're not tapering. They're not even talking about tapering. They're talking about talking about tapering. They don't want to cause a panic in the markets. And one of the issues that has come up is mortgage-backed securities, mostly because the housing market is just on fire. And a lot of people are saying, hey, why are we providing liquidity to a sector of the economy that just seems to be on fire, for lack of a better term. And so, as we all know, at the June meeting, the Fed reaffirmed plans to continue holding short-term interest rates near zero and to continue the asset purchases for some time. However, they did begin discussing how and when they could reduce or taper asset purchases. Uh, uh, Kiernan says one option suggested at the meeting was to start scaling back the mortgage bond purchases earlier or more quickly than the treasury debt purchases. Now, there are people who are in support of this and people who don't think it's necessarily as big of a deal as some are making it out to be. Now, Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan is one of those who supports the idea that maybe we should start pulling back on the MBS purchases, saying he thinks that mortgage purchases are contributing to skyrocketing home prices. St. Louis Fed President James Bullard said in a CNBC interview, quote, I'm leaning a little bit toward the idea that maybe we don't need to be in mortgage-backed securities with a booming housing market and even a threatening housing bubble here, according to some people. Now, I'm going to disagree with Bullard that we are in a housing bubble or are even close to being in one, but some are arguing that. Some are concerned about that. And yeah, I mean, I do think you can look and see what's happened in housing and it's just, like I said, on fire for lack of a better term. And a lot of people are saying, well, why are we helping out an industry? And really because the argument is a liquidity argument. And it doesn't seem like, especially with a lot of the investment firms that we have highlighted here on this podcast and in the newsletter, a lot of these Wall Street investment firms that are dumping money into real estate I don't think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who thinks that real estate is having a liquidity problem. Now, when the pandemic started, we didn't know what was going to happen. Some people were terrified that that we could see a drying up of liquidity in the housing sector. And so at the time, mortgage-backed securities, yeah, it makes sense that the Fed would jump on that. But I do think there's an argument to be made for maybe the Fed saying, you know what? Maybe we don't need to be buying mortgage-backed securities. Now, there is an argument to the contrary that I think also makes a lot of sense. 
San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly said in an interview that mortgage bond buys are, quote, not really directly affecting the interest you pay on your mortgage. Other officials argue that other factors are contributing to the hot housing market. For example, chief U.S. economist at SGH Macro Advisors, Tim Duh, I think that's how you say it, D-U-I, Doy, Duh, whatever it is. Uh, he's a smart guy. I just can't pronounce his last name. He told the Wall Street Journal, the only thing that's going to have a measurable impact on housing is pulling back on demand for which you need the Fed to be raising long-term rates, but the Fed is not ready to do that. Now, as I just mentioned, I believe both sides have a point on this issue. There's no doubt that the purchases of mortgage-backed securities are helping the housing market, but as duh, die. Dai, is it doi? Duh. <laughs> Points out the bigger factor fueling skyrocketing home prices is really a lack of supply. If the Fed does pull back, we could see, I think, maybe tougher lending standards, slightly higher rates, but it's not going to be the game changer that everyone thinks it's going to be. And so we'll see if the Fed makes any movement, but it would have an impact. I just don't think it would be a huge impact. And really the people that would be hurt by this would be the people that are on the fence right now. The people that were always told that we need to do, we need to provide the most support for people who are trying to become homeowners. If we see lending standards tighten up and we see interest rates move up a little bit, it's going to price them out of the market and make it so they can't buy. And those are the people that I see being hurt by the Fed getting out of this. Now, does that mean that the Fed should stay in it because of that? No, <laughs> I'm just pointing out that that's who's probably going to be hurt by the Fed pulling out of buying mortgage-backed security. So we'll see what the Fed does. Uh, more than likely, we're going to have a very, very big notice. They're going to give us a lot of heads up when they finally decide that they are going to start slowing down their mortgage-backed security. So we're going to have a pretty good idea when they decide to make that move. Now, Connor Sen has a great piece over at Bloomberg. We've talked about Connor Sen recently because he was the one that said, hey, look to lumber prices. That could be an indicator of whether all of this inflationary data is in fact temporary or is it long lasting? Well, he now has another great piece. He's becoming one of my favorite writers over there at Bloomberg. And he looks at rental markets. And in fact, he actually argues that the headaches that would-be home buyers have been facing for about a year now with just the craziness of the low inventory, a lot of competition, just all the, all, all the craziness that's been happening in housing, that that's actually going to start moving towards the rental market. And there are pretty much three reasons for this. So number one, he says life is getting back to normal. And apart from how you feel about rising rents, this is something that we should be welcoming. So a lot of places where rents collapsed, big cities, urban areas, people are like, hey, time to move back there. Time to open things back up. And so that we should be happy about. We shouldn't be like, oh no, the economy and society is opening back up. So yeah, a lot of business districts, a lot of urban areas, downtown places, they are opening back up and we are gonna see rents jump pretty dramatic, dramatically because that's where they fell the furthest. Now, number two, renting has gotten a lot more attractive, even if rents are rising. Uh, Send points out on a cost basis analysis. 
if home prices have risen 15 to 20 percent in your area and an apartment with a rent that's about five percent higher well that's relatively better deal than it was 18 months ago and so even though we are seeing rents jump across the board obviously the uh, single family housing rentals are seeing the biggest gains and luxury apartments are seeing big jumps but if you're more on sort of the lower income end, actually haven't seen that big of a jump, which is actually great news uh, for a lot of people out there, because that's the person that you're going to think about when you're thinking about people who are renting and people that could be that could take the biggest hit from a increase in rental prices. But what's happening here is that what they're saying is that renting in comparison to housing is far more attractive than it was 18 months ago because yeah, I mean, 25% jumps in buying a home versus five or 6% uh, increase when it comes to rents. So yeah, the rent relative to what it would cost to get a mortgage right now has uh, is a, is relatively that much more attractive. Now, speaking of wages, I mentioned that people at the lower income level Uh, their rents have not jumped up that much, especially in comparison to, say, single-family luxury housing, which has seen quite a jump. But here's what's interesting. Wages are skyrocketing for the lower rung on the income ladder. Sen writing, while it won't affect luxury apartments in New York or San Francisco, higher wages will empower landlords to raise rents, particularly in metro areas, that are housing constrained. So right now we haven't seen too much movement at that level of a renter, but maybe we will because we are seeing some crazy competition to get people to go back to work. And as their wages increase, landlords may feel more comfortable raising their rents. Now Sen concludes his piece by arguing it's important that we pay attention to what is happening in the rental market because of the impacts it could have on the broader economy, saying we should turn our attention to the slow-moving ship that is the rental market. A rise in rents, which may accelerate in the months to come, could lead to a new, less transitory kind of inflation for the Fed to deal with in 2022. So that was a pretty fascinating piece, and I linked to it in the newsletter, which once again is a companion here to this podcast. You can sign up for it at marketsandmortgages.com. And as I have been doing, and I will continue to do, because I think it's always a good thing to end on a positive note, we do have the latest data from the Mortgage Bankers Association looking at loans in forbearance. And for the 16th week in a row, that's four months. We have seen that number decline. The latest data says the total number of loans now in forbearance fell two basis points to 3.91%, which now means 2 million homeowners. I can't wait till the number drops below 2 million. It's, it's, we're getting close. But right now, 2 million homeowners are in forbearance plans according to the latest estimate. Of course, the overwhelming majority are in forbearance extension aspect of the program, 83.1%. 10.7% are in the initial stage, and 6.2% are in forbearance reentries. NBA Senior Vice President and Chief Economist Mike Frantontoni said, quote, the rate of forbearance exits slowed and it has been typical in mid-month reports, but the pace of new forbearance requests remained at a very low level of four basis points. 
And I was actually reading a piece, or I should say, uh, Bill McBride actually blogged about this over at his blog, calculatedrisk.com. And he was saying, just a reminder, like how popular these programs are. And so you do have a lot of people who can't leave those programs because unfortunately they just can't make the payments and maybe they'll end up in foreclosure. Maybe they'll have to sell their home or maybe they'll find a way to get out of that situation. But it is important to remember that these programs are pretty popular. And so it doesn't necessarily, I mean, I mean, what I mean by that is that people can go into these programs and then when they emerge from them, not owe back payments in a lot of cases or back interest or whatever it may be, it doesn't really impact them when they finally leave the program. And so that's why a lot of people maybe have entered these forbearance programs. But like I said, a lot of people, it all depends on what you negotiated with your servicer, but that does kind of let you interpret the data a little differently. But the good news is, once again, 16 weeks. That number has been falling, and let's hope we get to number 17. Now, as I said, we got a big day today. We got the Case-Shiller Index coming out later today, along with the FHFA Home Price Index. We'll talk about all of that on tomorrow's podcast. You guys enjoy your Tuesday, and I'll see you back here tomorrow, Wednesday morning. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. Wait.